when we look in the Bible, we see that uh, there is a key to the reason why Jesus was so effective in everything that he did. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son, which he refers to himself in that way, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he does. In everything that Jesus did, he sought to follow what the Father had shown him. And so he had this incredibly close contact with the Father, listening to him, following his, his direction. And this is put here as a model for us as well, that God wants that same depth, that same level of relationship that Jesus had, that we would also be able to hear what the Father is saying and see what the Father is doing and be able to go with that. So this morning, I want to look at a simple story from the Bible of what the Father was doing, drawing people into relationship with himself. And I hope that by looking at the story that we can catch what is on the Father's heart for those around us. So uh, Jesus met a guy called Philip. And Jesus and Philip had probably never met before, but it happens that Philip was a friend of Andrew and Peter, who had just started following Jesus themselves. And so we're told at the beginning of John chapter 1, verse 43, Jesus said to Philip, come with me. So he did. He may have heard a bit about Jesus. Uh, it was early days, maybe not, but there was something about Jesus that drew him. And uh, so after Jesus and Philip had met, um, they then traveled off. Uh, Jesus was following God's direction, going to find Philip, but then followed God's direction again. Um, if we have the slides up after I mention them, otherwise you get the punchline before I... Not that it's a joke, but uh, you know what I mean. But uh, they then, Jesus followed the Father's direction because God is interested in people. And that's why Jesus came, because God is so interested in people. He loves us so much. He loves every single person that he's created. And he wants each person he's created to be able to be in relationship with him. So, John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip went and found Nathanael and said, We found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip answered, come and see. And so they went together to meet Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said, he is a true descendant of our ancestor Israel, and he isn't deceitful. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael said, Rabbi, I can see you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. There are four things I want to pick out of this story. The first one is to initiate contact. And that's what Jesus did at the beginning of this story. Uh, in verse 43, we're told Jesus decided to go to Galilee. There he met Philip, who was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. And Jesus said to Philip, come with me. And so Jesus initiates contact. He goes, and you see right the way through the Bible that God is a God who uh, wants to be known. He wants people to be able to be in relationship with him. 
So Jesus followed the direction of the Father and he made contact. He went and found Philip they'd not met before. Andrew and Peter had only met Jesus the day before. It was all very new for them. So Andrew followed Jesus and spent the day with him and then immediately went and found his brother. Again, making contact. John 1, 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we found the Messiah. Messiah, Christ, the same word, one's Hebrew, one's Greek, means the anointed one. And Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. They recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, the person who had been prophesied about hundreds of years before, and here he was in person. The whole of Jewish history was leading up to this point, the, uh, the one who would bring spiritual renewal to God's people. And that's what we find as well, that Jesus takes everything that we've done wrong, everything that has become a barrier to relationship with him, and we're forgiven, and relationship with God is made possible. And Jesus reveals God's love and God's answers to the problems that we face. Andrew went out of his way to bring Peter to Jesus. Jesus went out of his way to initiate contact with Philip. Philip then went out of his way to initiate contact with Nathaniel. If we go on to the next slide, in case you get lost of who's who, these four guys all knew each other. They were from the same town. And Jesus goes and makes contact with each one of them in turn and builds friendship with them. For us, initiating contact could simply mean catching the eye of our neighbor and smiling at them. Um, Brits aren't very good at doing that sometimes, so that may be a starting point. Uh, saying good morning to them for the first time. Uh, you may remember some of you that we talked a few years ago about walking across the room, taking the opportunity to reach out to people rather than just living in our own little bubble the whole time. Anybody that God highlights to us, anybody who's near us, anybody who's on their own, just take the opportunity. And sometimes you'll recognize that was a God opportunity, and sometimes you think maybe it wasn't, but it was worth a try anyway. But Jesus initiated contact. Second thing, having done that, is to invite, involve them in your life. Jesus had included Andrew, made space for him, invited him to spend the day with him, and uh, they would have eaten together, chatted together, told jokes, laughed together. I don't know what your image is of Jesus. I think he was pretty cool. I think he was the kind of person that everybody wanted to hang out with, and that's certainly what we see through the Bible. He wasn't a religious killjoy by any means. I think he was fun to be around. And then Jesus went on and did the same thing with Philip, uh, again at the Father's direction. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. There he met Philip and Jesus said to Philip, come with me. This is an invitation into relationship. Many people think of faith as being an intellectual ascent to a set of beliefs or creeds or whatever, but faith in Jesus is about a relationship with him that affects every single part of our life. Following the Father's direction, knowing that he's with us, experiencing his love, experiencing his care, and uh, just as Julian was saying, 
And having God involved in our lives, helping, he helps us, he prepares us for things that are coming up. Later on, when Jesus chose 12 men to be his closest circle of friends, we're told in Mark 3, verse 14, he appointed 12 of them and called them to be his apostles. The word apostle means simply someone who's called and sent out. And uh, it says they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And so there's that, that dual role there in relationship with Jesus. The first thing that Jesus invites us into is relationship with him. You know, it wasn't an impersonal training session. It was uh, living life together. And then from the basis of that, it was then to be sent out to minister, uh, to see the power of the devil, the power of darkness broken in people's lives. When Mandy and I first approached the vineyard, we uh, had been working in the Church of England in Whitney and felt God speaking to us about joining the vineyard. So we went and met John and Ellie Mumford, who at that time were leading the, the UK vineyards. And we told them our story and they just said, that's very interesting, come and get to know us. And I was really puzzled by that. That wasn't the kind of response I was expecting. And they explained, everything that we do is based upon relationship. And so that's why we work really hard with our connection groups and with uh, the community weekends and the other things that we do to make sure that we build strong relationship. I believe that this should be the most loving, the most friendly place on earth. Unfortunately, churches are sometimes the opposite. So we've, we've got quite a challenge there, haven't we? but I think it's a, it's a good challenge, a good thing to go for. But everything that we do is based on relationship because that's how we get to know uh, what people are gifted to do. It's how we know what God's calling is on their life. And then we can encourage people and support them when they're going through difficult times and all that kind of thing. And God is the great initiator and connector. He loves us. And he wants a close relationship with each of us. Now, I mentioned connection groups. Usually we have connection groups that run either on a termly basis or a longer-term basis. But uh, this term, we're going to do something different as a one-off. We're all going to join together on a Tuesday night to do Alpha. And that means that you'll be sitting with the same group of people on a table of eight. So, again, it's very relationally based, and that's how the discussions will happen. So if you think, oh, I'm really going to miss my connection group, I know some of you will definitely feel that way, you can still sit with the same group of people. Uh, just bring your friends along who'd like to join in the discussion as well. Involving people in our life who are far from God can be costly. Sometimes situations just naturally arise, but often we have to be intentional about building relationship and inviting people in just as Jesus was with Philip. Love is the basis of relationship and we need to make sure that God's love is flowing through us to other people. These people are important to God and uh, God wants to be involved in their lives. They're, they're not projects to be worked on, but uh, we keep relationship going with people even if they have no interest in uh, Jesus at all. But Jesus initiated contact and he involved others in what he was doing. And then the third thing we see in this story 
is to invest in their life by prayer and fasting. John 1.47, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said, here is a true descendant of our ancestor Israel, and he isn't deceitful. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now, this is a, this is a strange little passage, this bit here. Uh, interesting episode. Jesus had never met Nathanael, but he knew something about him. Because as Jesus had been just chatting with the Father, we often call that praying, just uh, being in connection with the Father through the day, he got the sense that this guy was going to come and, uh, and God revealed this to him, whether it was a, a prophecy or a picture, we don't know quite how it came. But, um, you see, this was the way that Jesus operated. Jesus was constantly in connection with the Father. And that's why he got these wonderful opportunities to see the Father bless people. And Nathaniel was really surprised to be greeted in this way. Jesus said to Nathaniel, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, actually, that, that would be like saying to someone today, uh, when you met them, uh, I saw you sitting in your armchair. You know, there's nothing unusual about it, really, because, you know, everybody had a fig tree. It wouldn't have been unusual for Nathaniel to have been sitting under it. When we do our trips to Central Asia, everybody uh, outside their house has uh, a raised seat called a cot, and above uh, they have uh, usually grapevines, and everybody has it. And it would have been a very similar thing. There's nothing unusual. So what's going on here? Um, a friend of ours, David Parker, points out that there must have been something more going on for Nathaniel to have reacted saying, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. There must have been more to it. So perhaps as he was sitting under his fig tree, he was praying. Perhaps he was even asking God to reveal himself or asking, when is the Messiah going to come? You know, we've been waiting for centuries for the Messiah. When's he coming? And that's why Jesus' words had such an impact on him. A few years ago, we were doing healing on the street, and uh, Simon got chatting to a guy who just was passing by, and uh, uh, we were able to pray for him. And he explained that if about half an hour, three quarters of an hour before, as he had left home, he'd been thinking, God, if you're real, please will you show yourself to me? And he could have walked through town, done his shopping, and go home, gone home again, and, and we would have completely missed the opportunity. But Simon just extended a hand to him, got chatting with him, and the result was that this guy gave his life to Jesus. When we pray, we can ask God to show us the key to the heart of our friends who don't know Jesus yet. Nathaniel starts off this encounter really cynical, doesn't he? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Very defensive. But through this simple insight, Jesus was able to find the key to his heart, and he quickly turned to worshiping Jesus. And so we want to invest in our friends by prayer and fasting. And one of the things that we can do that is through one at one. Ask God to give you a, a handful of friends who you can pray for, 
And at one o'clock each day, I have an alarm on my phone, and it reminds me to pray for one of them, just to spend a few moments, uh, up to a minute, praying for one person, that God would bless them. And also to pray, how can I serve them? How can I love them? And then the, the fourth thing that comes in this story is to invite them to something. I've said, uh, invite them to an event. Uh, in verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel, and he said, we found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about, and so on and so on. And Philip answered, come and see. Philip initiated contact. He started bearing witness to what he had found. But the response from Nathaniel wasn't very encouraging, was it? It was very negative, very cynical. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But Philip didn't let that face him at all. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't respond even to the comment at all. He just invited Nathaniel to come. Come and see for yourself. Philip didn't have the answers, all the answers himself. He had literally just met Jesus, but he knew there was something special going on. And so he just invited Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. Come and make up your own mind. It would have been very easy for Philip to have got into an argument, you know, about the theology of the Messiah and, you know, why Jesus, you know, and all that kind of thing. I don't know how you respond in situations like that, perhaps feeling a little bit defensive sometimes, you know, I, I know I do with that, sometimes feeling like I want to justify myself and come across as right, winning the argument, losing the person, that kind of thing. But Philip doesn't allow anything like that to happen. He just invited him to come and see for himself. And Jesus doesn't call us to be experts. He just calls us to be witnesses. When there's a court case, <clears throat> they call in experts to testify, don't they? And that's not what most of us are called to do. Most of us are not what uh, many people would call evangelists, people who are very often professional, and uh, that's not... Uh, what most of us are called to do, to spend our whole life uh, dedicated just to seeing people come to know Jesus. Uh, there are other things that God calls us to do as well. But in a court case, there are other people who are not experts, but they just happen to be there. They saw what happened. They experienced the event. They are witnesses. And all they have to do is say, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. And that's what you and I are called to do to be witnesses of what we have experienced of Jesus. And that may be the way that Jesus has changed our lives. And uh, some of those changes are radical, aren't they? Or it may be what we've seen God do for other people. And if you come here each week, you will hear stories each week of uh, how God intervenes in our lives to help us, to bless us. And uh, you will also if you come with an open heart, experience God doing that for you as well. If you get a negative response from people when you start to share your faith, don't allow that to close the door. Just invite them to come and see for themselves. Um, some people may refuse an invitation. In fact, uh, in the Alpha training, there's a story. There's one guy, I think, uh, he said no to the Alpha course 12 times before he went along. Um, and then he was very glad he did go. But we can pray for people. 
and uh, God will eventually unlock their hearts, just as Jesus did with Nathaniel. When my grandfather died, my father was naturally uh, upset, grieving, and uh, partly that was because granddad had always refused anything to do with faith, and in fact, he'd even thrown my dad out of the house when dad announced that he was going to work for the church full time. So uh, a day or two after granddad died, just as Jesus was getting up, he he had a verse from the Bible that just popped into his mind in a way that it sometimes does when God's speaking. And it was, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And he thought, I wonder if that was God speaking, saying that granddad had uh, come to faith without us realizing, or was it just his own emotions and his own longing and so on. Anyway, that evening he went to a meeting and the speaker got up to speak and he said, I don't know why I'm meant to say this, but I think God wants me to read this verse. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And then he just carried on with his talk as if nothing had happened. But it was lovely confirmation that granddad had got right with God, even though none of us were aware of it. And we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. We have to leave that to God. The thing that we can do is to invite people, to include them in our lives, and then we leave God to do the rest. And we certainly don't want to force or try and force people to come to faith. Uh, when I was at school, I was so keen for one of my friends, Richard, to come to faith in Jesus that I put huge pressure on him. And as you can imagine, it completely backfired. It was an absolute disaster. Uh, I was so embarrassed, and it actually pushed him away from God rather than helping him. But what we can do is invite them to something, to an event, we'll call it. And that event may be going for a walk together, having coffee, having dinner, going to a sporting event, or going to one of the events that we put on here. We are called to witnesses. We're called to, uh, to invite people in, and God does the rest. But the way people come to faith is usually through you and me making contact with them, involving them in our lives, investing in them through prayer and fasting, and then inviting them along. And sometimes it's really easy, sometimes it takes longer. Uh, Mandy and I were picking apples on Friday afternoon, and uh, a guy had said we could go and take some apples off a couple of trees that he'd got. And so we got chatting, he came and got involved as well, which was nice, and, um, and then we had a few emails going backwards and forwards. He, sent some photos of me up a tree, uh, and, uh, and then he said, uh, when is your Alpha course starting? Because Mandy had mentioned it to him, and he'd heard of it before. Um, so just, you know, just, well, we don't know him, we've barely made contact with him, but it seems that God is stirring, and that uh, God is inviting people into relationship with him. What we try and do here is invite people into uh, a number of different events that run across a spectrum. At one end of the spectrum are events that are very relational. There is no preaching. There's no spiritual content as such. Uh, they're just an opportunity to be able to build relationship and have fun together. And so the men's and women's events that we put on are good examples of those. And we hope that through them, a relationship will form 
that people will see Jesus in us and that uh, maybe naturally conversations come up as they did at the last play sheet that we had. At the other end of the spectrum, we have events like Alpha, where we have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. We, uh, we've done things like evangelistic dinners, where someone tells their story at the end of the dinner or something like that. But we always make sure that it's really clear what we're inviting people to. We don't invite them along to something and then suddenly spring upon them, you know, a little God slot or something like that. We let them know that that's going to happen. But the invitation there is specifically to come and hear something about Jesus. And different things are right for different people at different times. So I want to encourage you to ask God to show you three to five people who don't know him yet. And uh, the most loving thing we can do for anybody is to introduce them to Jesus. And that's, that's what we want to do. So the first thing, initiate contact with them. Uh, smile at them. Ask them how they are. Uh, if you have no friends who are far from Jesus, then this is the most important step for you over the next few weeks. Ask Jesus who to make contact with uh, or just spread the net wide and see who responds. Then invite them, uh, involve them in your life. Ask God to show you what the next step is in doing this. You may have contact with people. You may have a lot of friends who... Uh, Maybe they believe in God, but they don't have a relationship with him, and we want to give them the opportunity to be able to take that a little bit further. So that may be the right thing for you. Just involve them in your life in some way. Third thing, invest in their life through prayer and fasting. Uh, maybe that you have friends who you feel like they're not actually making any progress towards knowing God. So you can pray for them, and uh, that would be a really good place to spend some time this week and uh, to get that one-at-one -one thing working. And then the fourth thing, invite them along to an event or something. Uh, some of your friends may be ready to come along to Alpha. I've got a number of people I'm going to ask. Uh, a couple of them I think I'm almost certainly going to say no, but they're probably the ones who will say yes. You know, I can, I'm no good at reading situations like that, so I'm just going to invite people anyway. Uh, we've got loads of flyers. I know you had one on each of your seats, but there are loads at the back. Just spread them around and uh, see what God wants to do. We've got a most, uh, one of the coolest venues in Oxford to do uh, dinner and then the discussions afterwards, so it'll be a fun evening. Uh, people may be ready to come to Alpha. Maybe you need to uh, build a bit more relationship with them first. Uh, maybe they would like to come along on a Sunday. Who knows? But whatever it is... Uh, Whatever we want to do, it needs to be soaked in prayer, doesn't it? Because prayer is powerful and it changes things. Just one last story before we finish. My brother John, some of you have met him, um, and uh, when he was at school, he was, uh, he was following Jesus. He, his, his faith appeared to be really strong, and uh, you know, I looked up to him enormously. And... Then when he left school, like many people, he completely lost his faith. He would have said he still believed in God. Uh, he still believed what the Bible said was true, but he, in, he wasn't actually following Jesus practically in any way. And that went on for uh, quite a long time. Uh, he got married, had children, and one evening the babysitter invited them along to an alpha call. 
And so John and Tim went along and uh, they got right with God and started following him. So there wasn't much relationship there. Uh, the babysitter, I don't know if you were in that situation where you, you would have felt a little bit uh, threatened, you know, inviting someone along like that, but that's the way God works. Let's just take any opportunities that God gives us. 